You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson alongside my right-hand man, Alex Smith. Had a really good feeling about Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Thought the Eagles were going to bounce back in a big way. Thought the Giants were there for the taking, and they certainly were. But unfortunately, the Eagles come out on the short end of a 28-23 to decision, and they're now 4-4 four and four on the season. Yeah, I was right there with you, C-Mac. I felt great going into that game. I thought that was the game where they bounce back. They get that first division win. They get that win on the road. But that 14 to nothing deficit, which we've seen in, what, three games now? The Eagles have fallen behind 14 nothing within the first few minutes. As well as they've been able to regroup and get back into these games, you're just not going to win many of them. So that start kind of really doomed them, but... Overall, I thought Carson Wentz had a pretty good game. Obviously, the, the beginning kind of set the Eagles back. But yeah, another division game that it, it's really tough to see kind of slip away. But I, I think things eventually will turn around. It was nice to see the offense kind of pick things up as far as opening up the vertical game. Mm-hmm. The great Bryce Treggs, who fans have been clamoring about for weeks now. Give Treggs a lot of credit, though. He was in there. He was only in there for a few plays, and he was able to have two catches for 69 yards and that big 58-yard pass from Wentz. So a different element to the Eagles' offense, and, and maybe we see more of that in the coming weeks. You know, sometimes you look at teams that make the playoffs, and they get in with 11, 12 wins, what have you, but their schedule really isn't all that impressive. They beat up on some, some lesser teams. They fattened up their stats and were able to get into the playoffs and give kudos to them. The Eagles are going to make the playoffs this year. They're going to have to take the hard road. I mean, you look at, they sell each of the three division rivals, and you look at the five non-division games remaining, starting with Atlanta this Sunday. It's tough. I mean, you're getting playoff caliber teams. You're getting teams that are either atop the division, in the wild card spot at the moment, or just right on the outside looking in. There's, There's no gimmies at this point on the schedule. At Seattle, Green Bay comes here. You have to go on the road to Cincinnati, on the road to Baltimore. So it's not going to be easy, but that's the way that the NFL is and the 0-3 start in the division doesn't help. You look at your six division games before the season, and you say, okay, if we can split those games, we'll have a good chance. The Eagles have dropped their first three. If they can come back and win those second three, it'll put them in a, in a pretty decent spot. But let's just take this thing one game at a time. The Atlanta Falcons are going to be a really tough team on Sunday. Yeah, 4-1 and one on the road. Meanwhile, the Eagles have been dominant at the link this season, mm-hmm. a perfect 3-0. and So we're going to look at one of the other rookie impact players this week on the podcast, and that is running back slash kickoff return specialist Wendell Smallwood. And everyone knows he's diehard Eagles fan, grew up in nearby Wilmington, Delaware. But the story we want to tell this week on the podcast is what he had overcome to get to the NFL because Wilmington, Delaware is near and dear to my heart because my wife is from there. We were married in Wilmington. But certainly my wife did not grow up in the same section of Wilmington as Wendell Smallwood did, even though it's not a huge city by any stretch of the imagination. It's very close, but still worlds apart, even though they are so close together. But a difficult upbringing, tough neighborhood to get out of. But Wendell is one of the players who made it through. And I think with Wendell, he's another example of someone who really had to work to make things better. Certainly. So here's our interview with Wendell Smallwood growing up. As an Eagles fan, we'll talk about the pantheon of Eagles running backs as well as the neighborhood of Wilmington, Delaware. So here is our interview with Wendell Smallwood. What's going on, man? How you doing? So you're from nearby Wilmington, Delaware, and you have said in previous interviews that football helped save your life. Can you explain what you meant by that comment? Just growing up in Wilmington, Delaware, I was from the inner city and kind of was a lot of violence going on. It's a very small city, but a lot goes on and 
a lot of guys I seen or grew up with that were great, better than me at football kind of got lost. And I feel as though football, me dedicating myself to football and being disciplined with football kind of got me away. And I was never around things that could have got me in trouble or would have been in trouble if I wasn't doing football. So I feel as though just me taking heat into football and dialing in and wanting to be the best at it and get better every day and just dedicate myself, like I said, kind of got me out the way of all of that. It's interesting because Wilmington, I know, is starting to get national notoriety, so to speak, as being a place where a lot of bad things happen, but it really didn't seem like it was that way all these years. How would you describe your childhood in particular? It's gotten worse every year. I feel as though since growing up young there, and I don't think no one kind of paid any mind, it's been like that. And I think it's starting at an early age now. I'm not that old. I'm not trying to sound (laughs) old, but in my day, it was kind of older, a little 17, 18 things were happening, but now it's like 14, 13, 15-year-olds out there doing crazy stuff and things happening, the guys getting murdered and all sorts of crimes happening there. So I feel as though it's gotten worse over the years. A reason why? As someone who lived it and has been able to emerge from it? When we were around, I was in a flag football and going to like the PAL, the police athletic leagues and boys and girls clubs. And it's like kids don't even go to that anymore or pay any mind. You had counselors, mentors, a lot of stuff like that. But I don't see a lot of programs or things like that. Even when I went to the PAL this past summer during OTAs, I went there to go just visit and see the kids. And it wasn't as many kids, older, younger kids as it was when I was there. It was older guys, young all kinds of ages, but it's just the young ones who mom make them go or parents make them go. But I went just for fun and just to go and get a gym and play basketball and play football. So I feel as though it's not too much people into the things, the good things that could turn something positive. People are more into the negative at a young age. Do you look at yourself as someone who can help from that aspect because you grew up in it and you play for Philadelphia Eagles, the pro football team that's nearby and it's a nearby neighbor. It's not like you're from the pro football team, but playing like halfway across the country. It's basically in your backyard. Yeah, I definitely think that's the biggest thing with me and the biggest thing I want to do. I mean, I get places like in PA and Jersey and things like that, but more Delaware programs and things come at me. I'm more dialed into it and want to get into it just because that's somewhere I'm actually from and I can relate to walking to the schools they walk to or going to the places they go to or doing the things they were doing at the same age. And some of them are kind of wild when I tell them I was here before I used to go this. I used to ride the van, ride the bus. The same things they've been through, I've been through. So I feel as though I could definitely play a big part in that. And not only them seeing a guy like who's from Florida or something like that and doesn't really know how it is growing up here. So me growing up in the same kind of setting they are kind of makes them feel better. Like, hey, he did it. Why can't I do it? And I feel as though it's a lot of guys coming out of Delaware and starting to give people hope. Wendell, we've talked to guys on the team who have come from all different kinds of families and raised differently. And what was your family life like growing up? My family life growing up, I really had my mom, my pop-up, and later on, my dad started really shaping me as a man and the man I wanted to be. But watching my mom, we lived in the city. She worked constantly was at work and I was the oldest brother in the house and I kind of had to stay in and watch my little brother and sister and kind of take that. How many siblings you have? My mom has two, but my dad has 10. Okay. So it's 13 of us all together. So I was just with my mom. They were separated, but just growing up in that setting and my mom was never out and like just leaving us in the house. She was always out working and if she wasn't working. She was home with us cooking meals. And I used to always wonder why did she make me come in the house seven o'clock, six o'clock with my friends out all night on a weekday. And I'm kind of mad but now growing up and seeing what it did for me it kind of kept me a lot out the way so I'm thankful that she did that my mom was always watching out for me and then in my later years my mom moved me with my dad he stayed in Elkton Maryland 
way different setting out there and I was real bored and <laughs> had to get used to being bored and being in a different setting and meeting different people. And then when I got to high school, I was in public school all my life. Then I went to a private school and I got to meet different people, people who were raised different, who were, has a different setting than me. And I think that kind of helped me with my people skills, being around people who are not only can relate to me, but can't relate to me in mm-hmm. some ways. And I think it was good for me being around that. Who was Dwayne Thomas? He kind of spotted me when I was in Little League. He was a coach just who watched me and then was like, hey, I want you to come to our school, come to our program, and got me weightlifting and weight training all year round. Since my eighth grade year, he was on me. And you know, when you're a little kid, you want to go home and play after school. But he was kind of catching me off guard, catching me after school and be sitting there with his truck like, come on, we got to go lift, we got to go practice and things like that. And then I ended up coming to his high school and he just took care of me from there. It seemed like that he understood what it took to be able to survive and come out of Wilmington and that he put a lot of structure around the guys on the football team. W- would you say that's correct? Yeah, he definitely seen the big picture that none of us have been exposed to before. I didn't know anything about college football and how you get there or what it takes to get there until he kind of took us in. He took me and a bunch of guys from the inner city of Wilmington, and he's taking guys that weren't good at football and made them great at football made them national recruits and things like that. So him just having that vision he had and getting us out of there and sacrificing all him and Coach Seals had to sacrifice to get us there and ended up getting us to college. So I thank him for that. He helped me make my decision, and it's paying off. There's a lot of football talent came out of Wilmington, guys you play with who are in the league today. Wilmington's not known as like a hotbed of football talent, but it seems like that it's a little bit underrated, though. I feel like it's grown. We had we had Body Calhoun. He's at Cleveland Browns. We got Angelo Blackson. He's at the Titans. And me and Devin still missing guys. But it's starting to grow. And guys are also performing in college now on a big level and going to end up there. So I think it's just kind of bringing out and bringing recruits and things like that to Delaware. You mentioned when you were in eighth grade and having your coach say, oh, you got to go work out now. You got to do this. Was there ever a time where you wanted to give up football? And that sense, I couldn't give up in eighth grade because my coach wouldn't let me. But when I left for high school and went to college, and he wasn't there anymore to make me get up and go places to make me do that. And I felt as though like I was getting in trouble a little bit with the head coach kind of missing things my freshman year. And I kind of sat down with someone. He was a counselor. And I sat down. And he was like, hey, man, you're not doing this just for you. It's for your future family, for your future goals and kind of things like that. And I think since that day, it kind of clicked for me my freshman year. Dana tells me all the time, you had did a complete 360 turn on me because he didn't see what I would grow into later. And that one talk with me kind of, it's been driving me since, still driving me to this day. How much of a culture shock was it going to Morgantown, West Virginia? It was just real culture shock because <laughs> the first week there, it snowed every day. I went there in January. I was early and early. Went there in January and it was snowing every day. Wind biting your face. <laughs> and I'm at the bus stop waiting for the bus. I'm calling my dad every day like, hey, I need a car. <laughs> I need a car. I can't stand at this bus. I'm walking, getting up early, getting up 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to go lift and then have spring ball. It kind of was a shocker to me coming straight out of high school. I haven't even got the prom yet, didn't even go to graduation yet. I was in college starting my career. So you missed out on prom and all that stuff? No, I didn't miss out. They actually let me go back, but... I wished I was like, man, I should have just enjoyed high school while I could. And even when I came back, I felt weird, like everyone's still in high school and I'm in college. So like the big man on campus, you know, yeah, Come back yeah, and everything, it, felt, so. it felt weird. What was it like as a football environment for you in college? I mean, we hear a lot about Morgantown and everything, but what, what's it like to actually play there? 
just when football season comes around, the whole town is like dialed into the football team and you got family, people start treating you like family and love the football team. And you notice people from there and people not from there, they're all in whether you win or lose. Like they say, once a mountaineer, always a mountaineer. I go back there. I love to go back there. They treat me like family, welcome me with open arms. So when I was there, football season, my favorite time of the year, of course, but just off the field, just how people acted and how people just love West Virginia. And they didn't have an NFL or NBA team out there. So we're their guys out there. Is it tough, though, because you get all this applause from everywhere? Who's being real with me? Who's being trustworthy with me? If everyone just showering me with praise all the time, is it hard to keep yourself grounded? Yeah, it's definitely hard to keep yourself grounded. Whether you're doing good or doing bad, I kind of don't take either too much. If I'm doing bad, I don't really harp too much on if I'm doing good. I keep myself grounded by just not soaking it in. You start to soak it in and get full of yourself, and that's when you get punched in the face and you're back down. And again, you start harping on the bad kind of gets rough. But those people, I feel as though you're able to decipher who really cares about you when things start going bad, when how people start acting. So when you when you get back up, you know, they, they're not really for you, but it's kind of just how people is. Everyone has fans like that. So you grew up a Big Eagles fan. Did you always envision yourself joining the great lineage of running backs who have played here in Philadelphia, going back to Staley, to B. West, to Sean McCoy? Did you ever think of yourself joining it was, this group. It was actually kind of a dream, but because in college we could pull up NFL film. We could pull up how the offense runs, and I always watched the Eagles offense no matter what really? OC was here and what head coach was here. I watched the Eagles offense, and I watched how Shady ran. That's where I started to learn how to run my path on and pattern on inside zone and things like that, how good he ran the tight inside zone. And then I got to watch B. Westbrook put moves on people, make people miss, and kind of started falling in love with those guys. So then when I was watching film, when I got done watching mine, I was watching theirs. And they could say I was should be watching college film, but I felt as though watching NFL and watching guys I'm inspired by kind of helped me out, especially my junior year in college. So who's your favorite player? My favorite? Eagles player, yes. Brian Westbrook. Don't tell uh, don't tell, don't tell Deuce, Deuce that. that. That's yeah. <laughs> don't tell Deuce that. Then it's Deuce. Then it's McNabb. Then it goes, then it goes go on from there. So. What was it like meeting with the Eagles at the Combine during the draft process? It was just kind of informal doing the interview. Deuce kind of tapped me like, come over here when you get done. And I kind of rushed through my, I don't even remember what team I was talking to, but I kind of rushed. I didn't want to leave Deuce waiting. And I just kind of paused and I was just happy to meet him and get to talk to him and was eager to see what he thought about my game and how he felt about it. I wanted to keep in contact with Deuce. So I was like, can I get your number? And I was texting him throughout the draft process, asking him really? things he thought I could work on. And right after the combine, he was the first person I text. I didn't text family or anything. Wanted to know what he think, not only as a coach, but as a player that I grew up watching mm -hmm. to know what he thought of me and kind of took off from there. So what did he say? This is a real picky guy. He said I had a great catch. I had some great routes. But then he said, drop one, though. He made sure I knew I dropped swing pass, but he kind of kept me grounded and told me, hey, keep working on what you're doing good and work on what you're not doing so good. So throughout that process and before the pro day, I knew what Deuce wanted me to improve on. So when the draft actually starts, who are you watching it with? Where were you? When did you find out that you were going to become a Philadelphia Eagle? I was home actually with my family. It's stressful watching the draft. Okay. Um, I couldn't watch it, so I, I kind of was sitting outside. You didn't watch any of it? I watched the first round, okay, and I watched the second round. Then Deuce actually called me day two of the draft. He called me day two, like, I want you here. I'm doing everything in my power to get you here. He called me, and that kind of gave me light a little bit. I actually was at the hospital at the time because my brother was there. 
then I left and we was kind of in the car. My dad had it on his phone and I put my earphones on <laughs> and I started listening to music. I didn't want to hear it. And then the next day I was just sitting outside actually on my four wheeler on my ATV. And then I seen the 215 number pop on my phone. I was like, yeah, it's Philly. Ran in the house. And by the time I got in the house, my family was all excited and it was just a great feeling. What's interesting is from what happened here at NovaCare, I had heard that Howie Roseman couldn't find Deuce. He's like, we're picking his guy and we uh, need to find him. He's like going around like, wow, we're going to call him. This is the guy he wanted. He, I think he was just kind of had to let it all out and let everyone know that he wanted me and let yeah. the whole mm-hmm. staff. And I think Deuce was kind of manning up for me. So probably why it was hard for them to find Deuce. Do you remember what he said on the phone call? I told you. <laughs> that's the first words. I told you so. Oh, what you doing? I told him I was home. All right, we'll get up here. Well, I was here 20 minutes later. So. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, yeah. most guys, they have to fly <laughs> in, they do this, yeah, that, yeah. Right. He's in Wilmington. He yeah. can, get he can up, shoot you up here. Say, so. Well, get up here. He got me right up here, sat me down, and it was on from there. Is your relationship with Deuce any different than it was when you first met him at the Combine? Or is he still picky? Is he still getting on you? You know, those kind of things. He's been the same since I met him. It just shows me he cares. Every day, even if I'm tired of hearing it, he's going to bring me back down. Like, hey, I just wanted to say to you, and pull me to the side. And I'm like, why you say that? Like, did I do something? You think you're doing something? Like, no, I just wanted to tell you just to keep me focused. Yeah. So I think it's great for me. So growing up an Eagles fan, what would you say are your favorite moments in Eagles history? The 4th and 26. My eyes glued to the TV. We made that play. I painted my face with any paint I found. I really? found some paint. <laughs> my mom was so mad. I painted my face running up and down the steps. But it definitely wasn't face paint. <laughs> I don't know where I got it from, but I was just like, man, excited. How tough was the period during training camp where you were sidelined with the quad injury? You're drafted. The coaches are heaping a bunch of praise upon you. But training camp begins. This is the time where you really want to separate yourself from the pack, but you're unable to go out there and prove yourself. How difficult was that time? That might have been the toughest time I've been through since I've been here. And just being sidelined, I kind of was like thinking I was losing kind of touch with the team and the coaches. and. Not being out there for so long, people start to forget about you. And I feel as though I wanted to rush and get back on the field and start to leave an impression, especially during that time. What kind of helped me keep my confidence to keep my mental right was kind of Deuce telling me every day, make sure you stay focused, take your time, don't rush anything. And Doug even told me, I told him I was running one day. He was like, nah, slow it down, relax. They kind of set a nice pace with me and kind of held back a lot on me and didn't force me to do anything, didn't make me come back or rush or try to throw me out there when I wasn't ready. It was always on my time and kind of the trainers helping me and just showing that confidence in me like, hey, you're going to be fine. And Deuce made sure I stayed mentally in the game. We could be in the meeting room and I'm not even watching film myself. I'm watching the other four or five guys and he's coaching me as if I was them. So you scored your first touchdown against Pittsburgh, correct? Yeah. So you're in the end zone in Lincoln Financial Field. Eagles fans are cheering for you. Mm-hmm. What's that moment like? I was kind of lost in the sauce right there. <laughs> Once I got in, I had a celebration plan. I had everything planned. I just dropped the ball, forgot the ball. Someone had to bring me the ball. It was the same thing at Washington when I ran a kickoff return back. I dropped the ball. I was just kind of happy to be in the end zone. And, like, man, my team just scored. I scored for my team. And it's like I was excited. Wendell? It's been a lot of fun having you here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Real nice conversation. Enjoyed our time there with Wendell Smallwood. You know, it was interesting hearing about the quad injury that he had during training camp because a fifth-round pick, nothing's guaranteed. 
I know how much teams value draft picks, but a fifth round pick is not necessarily guaranteed to make the roster. And, you know, he played well in the spring when it's the t shirts and shorts and you're not in the pads yet. He pretty much missed that whole section of training camp. But the coaches had been so impressed from the get go. Deuce Staley has spoken highly of him. Doug Pearson spoke very highly of him throughout the summer that they believe that they have themselves a gem here in Smallwood. Yeah, and imagine being in Wendell's shoes in that situation where you grew up in Wilmington, you're a lifelong Eagles fan, you get drafted by your hometown team and you finally get to put on that uniform and then you come in here as a fifth round pick and an injury keeps you off the field and you can't really show everything that you have. But again, give him credit for bouncing back from that. And I think he's had a really nice start to his NFL career. He's been a a nice addition in the kickoff game. But he's proven that he can be very effective running the ball as well, inside or outside. He seems to have a nice burst. I'm always impressed whenever we talk to him because I think he's a really good interview, very informative, and just a fun player to talk to as well. So I really enjoyed our interview with him. A man, a mentor who helped guide him through some tough times is his high school coach, Dwayne Thomas. We had a chance to chat with him to share some of his memories about Wendell and just what it's like to coach kids who come out of these tough neighborhoods. So here's our conversation with Smallwood's high school head coach, Dwayne Thomas. Coach DT, as we will refer to you for the rest of the podcast here, how are you doing on this day? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're doing very good. Coach, being in Philadelphia and Camden, New Jersey, it's very close, right across the bridge on the Walt Whitman. Wilmington sort of gets lost in a shuffle as being a tough environment to break from. We asked Wendell about it on the podcast, but can you speak to your experience of how tough it can be to escape the neighborhood of Wilmington, Delaware? Right now, it's extremely tough, almost impossible. I come from Patterson, New Jersey, which is like North Camden, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's in the northern part of the state of New Jersey. And Camden, Wilmington, Patterson, Jersey City, Trenton, these little tough communities, for young people to be successful and come out of those communities, it says a lot about who they are and what their character is all about. Coach DT, when did you first meet Wendell? I met Wendell, he was in eighth grade when I met Wendell. A real good friend of mine who was really the Pied Piper in Wilmington by the name of Chris Purnell, you know, he was real connected with the youth leagues and youth football. He had been friends with Wendell's dad, Big Wendell. He wanted to get Wendell training and get Wendell working out and more serious about athletics. How did Wendell take to being asked to do more training and to get more into football? It's an interesting story. Wendell is a very quiet kid, and sometimes you can mistake that quiet, reserved type of personality and disposition that he has as not being fiery. But he was always kind of motivated to be great. I'm an in-your-face type of guy. We kind of clicked because, you know, I don't take no crap, and I came right at him. This is what you need to do if you want to achieve some great things. And for the most part, he accepted that type of challenge. Coach DT, what did you know about Wendell's family background? His mom is tough. His dad is extremely tough. Wilmington is poverty-stricken. Wilmington is a community where unemployment is high. You know, opportunities for jobs is pretty scarce. When you put all of that together, you're going to have to raise some tough people. Now, I come from that type of environment. I've always told the young people that I work with, I don't care about how tough you are. This world is made up of trained and untrained people. So you could be as tough as you want to be, but if you're not trained, you won't have a lot of success. Coach DT, it's interesting you talk about the training aspect because Wendell praised the structure 
that you had in the high school level that was almost akin to a college program. How important is it for you to have that discipline, that structure in place at the high school level? Well, it's extremely important. I coached on the college level for about 15, 16 years. And so when I started working with high school athletes, I didn't know anything different. So I offered them the same regiment. Go to school. After school, you go to study hall. After study hall, you go to the weight room. And if you're not a 2.5 or better, after the weight room, you go back to study hall. And so that was kind of the regiment we had on the college level. And I just taught that to the young guys that I was working with on the high school level. As a coach, what's the challenge of making sure, and not just Wendell, but really, you know, all the kids that come through your program, what's the challenge in making sure that they stay on the right path and they don't stray off to some of those other distractions? Well, particularly in this area, you know, now I've coached in a lot of parts of the country. You know, in this particular area, athletics is just not really an important vehicle. People don't see it as a conduit into one's future. And being with my background and some of the guys that was working with me with our backgrounds, we had seen some things. We had been around some programs. The challenge was there wasn't an existing program like ours. So we were kind of groundbreaking and trying something new to the area. And so the challenge was getting the commitment. But again, when you sit down and you talk to young people and you try to find out what their goals are, what are the things they want to accomplish, and you write those things down and you put those things in front of them, and then you also offer them a plan that's going to help them reach that based on how dedicated the individual is, how much support that individual is going to get from home, it will determine whether you have success or not. Coach CT, that's very interesting because how do you balance offering hope and a way out against something that just may not be realistic. A prospect may come to you and want to play college football, want to do all these big things, but in reality, there's such a small percentage of players who make it from the high school level to the college level, let alone the NFL. One of the advantages that I had was that I've coached on the college level. I've been there. I've offered scholarships to kids. I've had athletes that I've offered scholarships that went on to college, graduated college, and played in professionals. Dominique Rogers Cromartie played for me at Tennessee State. I helped recruit him. And so I had examples of kids that I had already recruited, that had already went through college, that had gotten an opportunity to play at a professional level. So I brought a level of credibility to the program. Did Wendell have that drive to get out of Wilmington and to get to college football and to move his career forward? Did he have that from the moment that you met him? I wouldn't say he had it from the moment that I met him, no. There was no reason for him to have it. But what he did have was this intestinal fortitude. Let me tell you. In high school, it was required that you have a laptop. And Wendell never had a laptop until late, until maybe his junior or senior year. He would write five and ten-page papers on his cell phone. Now, you sit down there and you figure that out, right? That's somebody that's trying to do better for himself, better situation, to sit down with the tediousness of writing a paper on a cell phone. Over time, I became more impressed with his intestinal fortitude as it pertained to trying to be great academically. He was a special athlete, but his attention to detail as it pertained to academics was really something that told me this kid will make it. And I told Dana Hogerson that at West Virginia. Coach DT, what are you most proud of when it comes to Wendell? I'm most proud that he's been able to take the punches because obviously growing up in the community that he's grown up in, He's been knocked down, and he's been able to get back up. And we've, we've talked about that. You know, he fumbled the other week, and my instinct was to rip his head off. 
But the fact of the matter is he's a professional now. He's got to be able to understand the criticalness of that era and overcome it. And so he's overcome so much to this point, I'm sure this won't be a challenge for him at all. Coach, my last question for you is this. Can you share a favorite anecdote or, or memory of Wendell, whether it was in high school or in the time since he's left Wilmington? A lot comes to mind, but I remember a time we were playing Calvert Hall in a game, and we had gotten behind, and we were highly rated. You know, we just had a bad day. We turned the ball over a lot, but we got together in the second half, and I had had a dream in the summer that we were going to be in a tough game, and regardless of the situation, we scored in this dream, and we had an opportunity to kick an extra point or go for two, and I'm going to go for two. I had made up my mind, and so we were in this game with Calvert Hall. I think we were down 25, and we come back. And inside of a minute, Wendell scored. And we were behind 28 to 27. And I should go for two. I should go for two. And he's looking at me. He's not an emotional guy. And he's looking at me. Give me the ball, please. And I kick it, and they blocked the freaking kick. And, I, <laughs> and they blocked the freaking kick. In the huddle before the play, when I said we're going to kick it, he gave me this look like, no. And I kicked it anyway. They blocked the kick, and we lose that game. And I said to myself, we will ride Wendell for the rest of the time he's here. But I second-guessed myself, and that's something I never do. And we had a great kicker who got a scholarship to Maine, as a matter of fact. But we picked for having the kick, and if I would have given it to him, we would have won the game and probably would have been a top-25 team that year. Phenomenal anecdote. Great insight into not only Wendell, but just what it's like to coach kids from that area. Coach Dwayne Thomas from Eastern Christian Academy, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks for having me. You know, I've had a chance to work with some youth groups. My sons are in scouts. I've coached their baseball teams. And you realize through these types of volunteer activities the impact you can have on kids because I've met and and been able to work with a lot of kids who come from a lot of different family situations who don't have the traditional two-parent household. And I'm always inspired by people like Dwayne Thomas and the other coaches who we've had on the program because you coach for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, especially football where you're working with so many more players. At the end of your days of coaching, there's just hundreds and almost thousands of kids who you've helped impact. It's a world that a lot of people don't know where these athletes are coming from growing up, whether it be a one parent or, or without parents and, you know, having to travel from foster family to foster family, whatever the case may be yeah. with, with some of these players that we've talked to. It's eye opening. I, th- I really think it is. And, and you hear about these stories about people like DT who kind of take these players under their wings and, and, and make sure that they're doing whatever they have to do to stay on the right path and to stay out of trouble and to make a better life for themselves. It's really cool to hear these kinds of stories. We also have something different this week with the podcast. We also have a nice feature article on Wendell Smallwood and his relationship with Deuce Staley and what it's been like following Deuce as a player and now again to work with him in the running back room. So our Julie Bacanskis wrote that. So I hope that you all check that out. That's going to do it for this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thank you very much for all the likes, the comments, the feedback on it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you consume podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher or whether you just listen to them right here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the mobile app. So for Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. That's going to do it for another edition here of the Eagles Insider Podcast. We will be back next week.